not last, it's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. One's on mass. Get it on much to run to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello! Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that totally condones beating kids. Just so long as they're wearing a United shirt and involved in a game of association football. Let me make that perfectly clear. On this week's pre-Christmas show, going viral, sickness wrecks the Shrewsbury trip. Well, that and the rank defending... Skip that track. After Rico, Gethin Jones now falls victim to the captain's curse. London's calling. Sky are messing about with the Charlton game. Make them stop. And it's game time. Did Triple H once do the Golden Gamble? All this and a lot more on the number one, 100% serious, 75% factual Bolton Wanderers news podcast. But first... A shout out to our friends Urban Outreach UK this Sunday, December the 18th between 10am and 11.30am at Bolton Arena across from the stadium. Horwich Harriers uh, will be helping out with a 5k Santa Dash to raise money uh, for Urban Outreach, a charity that helps so many different people at this time of year. Uh, There's races for all the family. Everybody gets a medal for taking part um, and it costs, I think it's £10 to enter wearing a a Santa suit and £7 if you're not bothering. Um, But for for more information, go to Bolton Arena's Twitter account. They've got lots of uh, flyers and and links on there. And we'll also put the links in our podcast notes so you can follow them there as well. Get yourself a Santa suit, put your trainers on, go and have a great day raising money for a fantastic cause. And now, time to introduce a man who's often described as the sensible voice of this podcast, and one who told me off-air just a couple of seconds ago that he hopes Wanderers start selling those pre-match suits at the end of the season on eBay because he wants to buy one. It's Henry Hewitt. Uh, yeah, they do look pretty snazzy, don't they? Have we, have we got to the bottom of it? Have we just... Uh... You know, are they making an effort now, or uh, is there a reason behind it? It's we're just making an effort. It's it's basically dressing for work, as it were. I think they they've they've tried to shake up all these kind of pre-match preparation things, and and maybe it's a case of you know you know in lockdown where they said don't just sit in your pajamas all day uh, whilst mm. you're working from home. Go get dressed, have a shower, do, go, you know, prepare as if you're going to work. I think this is this is Bolton Wanderers preparing for work. Um, yeah. And they probably well, it, got a good deal at Alts as well. We probably did. It makes sense because, of course, most people, myself included, uh, when we go to work, we I start really well. And then when it gets to about four o'clock or it gets to about 20 minutes left of the day, I just tail off and can't be bothered. Uh, That's a perfect metaphor mm. for what happened mm. in Shrewsbury. Well, absolutely. Oh, that was a lovely segue, Henry. It's almost Thank as you. if you, it's almost as if you've done that before. 
<laughs> I've been practicing since since Saturday. <laughs> uh, yes, as you rightly say, as you rightly say, we did uh, we did have an interesting an interesting double week. So, should we start with the good one or the bad one? Let's let's start there. Uh, let's get the bad one out of the way. Let's get the bad one out of the way. Right, right, okay. So Saturday, Shrewsbury, freezing cold. Nobody thought that game was going to get played. I think a lot of Bolton, a lot of people inside Bolton didn't think the game was going to get played. And I think they hoped they didn't because everybody seemed to be poorly. Um, but we managed to get there in Shropshire and it was, I mean, it was pretty poor, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he didn't start very well. Um, no, nope. again. Again, um, we conceded the first goal again, but uh, like previous weeks, we've we then went two one up, and I think the, our biggest downfall this time was that we didn't go two one up with a minute to go. I think when Charles scored that penalty, the players kind of thought, "Oh right, we've got another twenty. We're not used to this." Um, but um, but yeah, it, it did very well to get back in the lead. I thought we were controlling it, and I actually were watching it, and I thought we could get four or five here, and I, I genuinely meant that because Shrewsbury. They weren't really offering much. They were sitting back. And I thought if we'd have just carried on, um, then I thought we would have been comfortable. But, um, you know, I obviously took Charles and uh, Dapo off. And in hindsight, I'm sure if we would have won, he would have been the right decision. In hindsight, it probably wasn't. And, uh, yeah, it all went, uh, well, the proverbial. Two things on the subs. Two things on the subs. Number one. Is do we do we don't know? I mean, I'm sure he would have mentioned it, but we don't know that that Dapo and Dion weren't affected by this bug because that at one point I know in the build up to that Shrewsbury game they had 13 fit players, so there was it really had hit him pretty hard. So there could have been that, but secondly, he he subs the strikers every every week. It's not a, it's not a new thing. And I know they were going quite well, and I agree with you. I think if anybody was going to go and score that third goal at that point in time, they were both playing well. But there was there was no real reason to think that by introducing two new strikers, they were going to lose all that completely. Uh, and then a kind of a side point is they lost the game 3-2, just in case <laughs> that's a spoiler for anybody, but they lost the game 3-2. And the reason they lost the game 3-2 is because they couldn't defend two set pieces. They'd been doing all right up to that point. And then at that point in time, they lost. And actually, they brought on two players there that should really have helped them defense, defend set pieces because both Bonfarsen and Bakayoko will get themselves back there and get their head on the ball. But nobody bothered. No, you're right. And I think to let the ball... The, the second one was so poor. To let the ball drop, what, in the six-yard box and he'd he yeah. be free to put it in was... Was very poor. Second one, obviously, I, I know a few people were suggesting that it was a foul on Trafford. I don't personally agree with that. I think watching it at the time, I didn't think it was a foul. So uh, that was disappointing. And uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it was just, yeah, just very deflating. I think because we've got used to these late winners and uh, and coming out of games that maybe we shouldn't have got anything from with three points, I think, um, you know, for it to happen the other way around was, yeah, very deflating. But we, we're still in the top six, luckily. I don't know how, but we're still in the top six. And, uh, and yeah, we, we now push on to Saturday. But, like, I think that was, yeah, I, you know, I, we, we've all been saying recently that in the league, we want Bolton just to have a, a comfortable win. Just And it may come on Saturday, but chances are it won't. And I just think that Saturday, even though we went 1-0 down, was a perfect opportunity to just go get a, we could have got a third and then it would have been that 
easy, just sit back and relax kind of game. And uh, no, we allowed them to, uh, you know, because just before their goal, they were nothing. Shrewsbury mm-hmm. weren't offering anything. And that's the most disappointing thing. And yeah, to come out losing it is, uh, it's one of those games where I think if anyone was thinking off the back of the Fleetwood game or the Aki game, that, oh, maybe we can push for a promotion. I think that kind of says where we are. And we are a, a team who I think will be in the playoffs, but aren't going to, you know, go on a, a, a 15 game run of wins. I think we, we're going to have the odd defeat like that, but, but still finishing the top six. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, Shrewsbury had basically clocked off at the point that Dion Charles scored that penalty. Um, just about, by the way. Good. I mean, it, it looks even better from behind the goal. It really does just squirm over the line. Um, but when he scored that, I was thinking, yeah, okay, they can they can cruise to this now. And and knowing obviously there had been a physical toll taken on the squad, it, it was perfect, absolutely perfect. Problem being is they did actually start going long ball, and I don't know why that happened, but there obviously there was I don't know a bit of panic or nerve setting. The the Kami and Everett disappeared every time we saw one of his defenders launch a ball up towards Bakayoko or uh, towards uh, Bodvarsson rather than playing it through Josh Sheehan or, or, or Kieran Lee or somebody like that. Um, for whatever reason, that, that seemed to change. And, and whether or not that is because it wasn't the final couple of minutes and they used to only with leading games there. I mean, I worked out the other day, they, they've spent less time ahead in games this season than they have behind in games. It, like it's something like 10 hours in uh, 10 hours of, of games they've actually led and and 10 and a bit uh behind in games which when you consider they were fifth in the table when I worked that out is is quite quite something really. It is that's an amazing stuff. That is a pub quiz stat if I've ever heard one and uh but I, I think it's 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 a really weird to be in because obviously the manager and the team will look and go, well, we're fifth, so what are you moaning, moaning about? And they, they are right. You know, we are in a, a very good position. But also, I don't know, I just think we should be... It's sustainability. I think everybody's looking at yeah. it and thinking, OK, well, that's that's all very well. We are fifth at the minute. But actually, look at the games coming up. Hasn't been a fantastic record against the, the, the top, top teams. Um, and how 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 long can you continue playing at you know, 60 70% and expect mm. to be getting results, I suppose? No, I think that's right. And I think, you know, it, you obviously take a win however it comes. And a last-minute winner is, is a lot more exciting than a 3-0. Uh, convincing win but yeah for for sustainability you're right you can't keep on doing that and there's and uh, yeah we need to we need to um, you know start putting in more convincing performances all all game round should we talk about a convincing scoreline yes please. let's talk about convincing scoreline um, Bolton Wanderers 4 Manchester United nil um I don't care. I tweeted this the other day and it seems to have caused a little bit of a rumpus amongst the social media rights. I don't care whether it is Manchester United under 21s, Manchester United under 18s, Manchester United flipping staff team. I don't care. Any 4-0 win against Manchester United is one that I think you should be quite pleased with as a Bolton fan because let's be honest and you can't have it both ways here had Bolton Wanderers lost that game 
all hell would have broken loose. There would have been cracks with volcanic lava spilling out of them all around Davlin Way. It would have been like the the apocalypse. Um, so you you can't you can't say oh well it doesn't really matter on one hand but then i know for a fact it would have it would have mattered the other way i think it it's the uh, it's the old no win situation yeah i i i'd agree with that i think okay am i going to you know was i texting my man united supporting mates and gloating no i wasn't and um you know they weren't texting me but um that's cuz they don't yeah. like you yeah well, that is that is true. I said, really? Chat? Is my, if I got signal on my phone, I've not had any text actually for a while. Um, but no, I think um, we had to win the game. And you're right. If if we would have lost, it would have been we'd have been having a very different podcast uh, today. And we didn't. We won. The, the the only downside for me is it should have been about ten nil. <laughs> genuinely, I, I was. We won four nil, and I'm like, oh yeah, great, win four nil. And uh, but I thought it should have been ten. You know, and I think um, this was the bigger... Did I think at any point, you know, say after the first 10 minutes when we had about three chances, I thought, we'll win this game, it'll be fine, because mm. we've seen this before, and, and obviously we did comfortably. But at half-time, I was there thinking, well, we'll probably win about 2 or 3 nil. So 4 nil's great. But um, I, I was more frustrated at the fact that we had all these chances and weren't scoring them. And it's, it is same old as the season. It's It's... As it, you know, it's the season all over. Is that we're not, we should, we should have scored, in my opinion, at least 50% more goals than what we have scored. And we're just not putting them away as, as regular. And I think Tuesday told us that even though we did win 4 0, it, it should have been 10. Yeah. I mean, we can go down the, the XG route. We can go down the final third entries if you've played too much football manager. Um, all that data tells you that Bolt Wanderers get in the right areas, they create good chances. But actually, if you're not taking them, it's a dangerous game to play. And we've said that so often this season. And this game against Manchester United's kids was, I mean, it almost got comical at one stage. I mean, poor Dion Charles. I have never, well, I say I've never seen, I, I probably have done, but I've, I've very rarely seen one striker having such a mare in front of goal. He couldn't do anything right at all. I mean, Will Anderson missed from four yards, but I mean, Dion, who's a, who's a finisher, generally speaking, um, <laughs> was missing everything. He was missing headers. He was getting no. He was getting nothing on her free headers at one stage. Uh, no. he, he passed one wide from right bang in front of goal. There was, I mean, the, the standard of the chances that were being missed. The only one I will actually let go would be the one that Dapo missed in the first half, where it looped off the defender and then onto the the roof of the net. Um, I would put that down to good defending. But generally speaking, the keeper Bishop made very few real saves. Um, I think Trafford's save was probably the best of the lot where they, they cut through a brilliant move by the way if that would have gone in I think he and Everton after the game I think even I'd have applauded because it was a fantastic counter um, but Trafford made basically the only save of the game really of, of any great note Bolton were just wasteful for an hour plus and then obviously got the first one and, and that was that was game over after that the, the kids kind of the, the head went down and and the physicality kicked kicked in and, and that's what you expect against an under 21 team but against exeter on saturday for example not only are you not going to get that number of chances so the kind of the ratio comes into play but 
you are going to get punished at the other end a lot more, uh, a lot heavier. Mm. So this is where the sustainability comes into. And, and again, you can kind of, you can pass it off and you can laugh it off and you can say, oh, but we're fifth or, oh, but, but this, you know, but we've won 4-0. But there are underlying concerns all the way along that, that actually at some stage it might stop. Yeah, um, and I think that's where the point now. I think when, when it was happening against Accrington and Burton, people, I think the, the we were all getting excited. But now it's got to the point where it's like, no, we we can't be relying on on scoring in the last twenty minutes. And I know I, I joked before about switching off. Um, you know, with with ten minutes of a day left, I think the. But usually for Bolton, it's actually the opposite. We do nothing for the whole day, and then at ten to five, we think, "Oh, we've uh, we'd better do some work. We'd better send some emails here." <laughs> but um, it's like you said on on Tuesday, it got, it got ridiculous, and the chances were there. And I, I mean, ironically, the only chance that Charles didn't uh, he did get contact with was the when he was on the line, and it meant the goal was offside <laughs> yeah, for someone's right. header. Sub um, your day up, pal. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Charles. He is hit and miss at the moment. Tuesday, uh, Saturday was brilliant. He got his two goals, um, and I think if he if he'd have stayed on, he could possibly have got a hat trick. But then, obviously, we go back to square one on Tuesday. Hopefully, he's, he's saving all these goals for for Saturday, uh, and I, I do trust, as we said last week, he will get fifteen, sixteen this season. So I'm mm. I'm I'm not concerned, but it has been a bit of a theme of these opportunities arriving to him, and the. They're not tough chances like like you're there. You give Affalion the benefit of a doubt because you know on that chance you mentioned before with Charles, he's he's in front of a goal. He's he's had a few where he's in front of a goal and he's he's either put it over or put it wide or missed it. So yeah, we just need that more a bit more consistency from Charles. But he's showing glimpses like on Saturday and against Oxford that he he is there and he is um, you know and against Bristol Rovers that he he can put those away. Interesting on the left-hand side on Tuesday night against United. They used Kieran Sadlier from the start as a left wing-back. And we've talked quite a bit about the left wing-back situation, whether Declan John could get back in. Now, he was mentioned in dispatches in the build-up to the game as one of the players who was were back after sickness. He obviously missed Saturday because of sickness. He would have been in the squad at that point in time. But the fact he wasn't even in the squad on Tuesday night says a lot. But with that in mind as well, is sadly an option at left wing back, do you think, now? Um, he is. And I thought, because obviously I was on Tuesday, we were all sat in the, uh, the one stand. Mm. So I got a good look at him. And I thought he, he did do all right. He played well. But I just thought in the second half, he just seemed to, I don't know, tire a little bit. And he, he was out of the game and a bit, he was off the pace, which worries me a little bit. And, you know, you could argue there, we said it about the likes of Dapo a few months ago and Morley, that they need a consistent run in the, the mm. team. Maybe that's the case with Sadlier. Uh, and because he's not had a full 90 minutes in a while, that's why he's, he's sort of tailed off. But I was a bit disappointed by that. But, I think what sadly it gives you is that he is a winger, um, and he you know he can sort of hug the touchline a little bit and get the crossing. I think he's he's passing is good. He's he's good with his feet. So uh, yeah, I think he is an option there. Um, but obviously, as a result of that, you have got to you've got to cover a little bit. And I felt there were times down that right hand side for Man United under twenty ones. Um, <laughs> 
that the, they were getting space over there and um, I can't remember who it was on that side, the defender, maybe been Amerson, was um, was kind of, he had, you know, he was left a little bit. So I think mm. for, for Sadly, he's going to have to get up and down that wing uh, a lot more and it's not all just about attacking. You've got to defend as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be interesting. See what see what happens on Saturday and see which left wing back they go with. Owen Beck was on the bench on Tuesday night and it's been okay, I think. He's he's, he's steadily improved for me. Um so there's options there, but it, it seems weird that the the longer this goes on, the more I think, do you know what? I wonder if they'd just look to sign another left left wing back. I know they've got loads of options there, but but are any of them going to be your number one left back or your number one left wing back? And Declan John, I think it is universally accepted, is not in that position at the minute. Whether that changes or not, I, I doubt. Owen Beck is is a young guy. Whether you can expect him to play week in week out, with, I mean, as much as you can do in Bolton's team, but it may be a little asking a little too much of him. Iredale has got that kind of. He can certainly play the position. But a lot of people think he's better at left-hand side of, of centre half, and he's always going to, you know, he's, he's always going to have that option. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's another one to add to the shopping list. Yeah, it's a very good point. A very good point. A, Con- and, a uh, Connor Bradley on the left is what you want. It's, it's somebody you think there's absolutely no doubt he's playing as my left wing back. Yeah, well, I mean, with Connor Bradley scoring five already, I'd, I'd take a Connor Bradley up front to be honest. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you'd, yeah, we'd love a Connor Bradley on the on that side, and it uh, because I think for I know Connor is young, and he's got the energy and the pace, but I think up and down, he's constant up and down that, and I think his defending is actually quite good. So uh, yeah, I think he's a top top player, and and obviously we'd take that on the other side. But yeah, I just felt we sadly, uh, I don't know, I think this glimpse, whereas a few months ago. And sadly, is a good player. You know, I, mm. I, if sadly it became our, our answer on that side, then I would be very happy with it. But I think are you thinking of the Barnsley uh, Cup game and a few other you know performances. I don't know. I think the the shouts for sadly to start are getting a little quieter. I think people are starting to see what uh, what clearly Ian Everett sees is that he is more of an impact sub rather than uh, a starter. Because when he comes off the bench, as we saw against Fleetwood and. And, and Bristol Rovers actually I think he is a good player coming off the bench mm. and uh, uh, with his play but you know I think if he wants to start he's maybe got to do a little bit more One week we'll have a whole podcast that doesn't involve a debate over Kieran Sadlier's state of play mm. it will happen yeah. one, one time one time um, right okay well so barring the, the United game I've been off work this week uh, so pretty much bugger all has happened really um, but but Simon Woods worked very hard to make these these headline sting things, uh, so we're flipping well going to use it. News. Yeah, well, the first one uh, is that Ian Ever is back in Dapo to be a number nine. We've seen. The last few weeks, he's put in. I think he's been our best player, uh, yeah. other than Trafford. I think uh, he's performed very well. He won the penalty on Saturday, and he's really 
um, shining in that role. I think he's he's he showed with a penalty and the goal against United under Tony Uh <laughs> But he's getting in behind the defence and uh, he's he's learning that role. Do you agree with that, or should we uh, should we be we wanting to see Dapo on the wing again? Nope. I I think at the minute he looks like he's getting to grips with what's being asked of him. Most importantly, you can tell when Dapoff Lion is enjoying his football because he's one of those lads that, that doesn't really hide disappointment that well. You can tell when he's not really enjoying things. I think when he played as a left wing back a few weeks ago, even though he stood there and said, you know, as long as I'm in the team, I'll do a job. And, you know, it, he didn't really convince me. I think he wants to be... Yeah, he wants to be front and centre. He wants to be the, the guy on the ball. He wants to do what, what comes naturally to him. And I think that he's finding a way of doing that as a as a number nine now. And that Dapo Afflion, Dion Charles pairing that we talked about coming into this season that had done so well when it got the chance last season I think is starting to to find some sort of range now and, and that's that's great because we've got some really big teams coming up in, in December and January we know we're going to need a front two that's that's playing well now Dion we've, well, everything we've just said about the United game he's still on nine goals for this season he's still scored three goals in his last three games He's he's starting to to fizz again in general um, and Dapo definitely is showing signs definitely uh, he's he's get he's getting a couple of goals he's making the right runs that penalty he won at Shrewsbury was exactly what is being asked of him so yeah I like it I like it when I, I've said it time and time again he's the player that I most enjoy watching in the Bolton Wanderers team Afolayan I, I certainly like it when he's he looks like he's enjoying himself because he's a right royal pain in the jack seat for opposition teams he wins free kicks he does stuff that nobody else in that team can do and when you've also got uh, players around him that are, that are starting to come into some form like Morley for example um it all builds up to, to actually working quite well and, and I think that in those in those three players there, Bolton are starting to get something something boiling. Yeah, well, um funny you mentioned Morley because Ian Everett has also said that Morley's becoming the complete package and um, you know, a few months ago we were talking about Athelion and Morley and, and after Morley had a great start to the season he suddenly found himself on the bench. Um you know, I noticed that the manager has said that partly the reason for that is that he was he was wasn't quite doing what they were asking him mm. to do. Is this was this all part of Ian Everett's master plan with Affleyan and, and Morley? But we were perhaps weren't seeing at the time as fans, and uh, and now it's all worked out in the end. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't think football's that exact to science, is it? That you can pick and choose and know that know that down the line somebody's going to uh, to come back in good form like Aaron Morley has done but I think I, I, certainly the defensive side of things I know is is something that they wanted to drill into him they talk all the time about the role he played at Rochdale which was more a case of, of playing in front of the back four and just, just screening he wasn't asked to engage too much wasn't asked to put his foot in too much he wasn't asked to go and win second balls that's what he's being asked to do here in this role because obviously regaining possession quickly and as high up the field as possible is that's Wanderers' bag. That's exactly what they need to be doing. 
and and that has to be triggered and it has to work. You can't have a couple of players going and pressing the ball because it gets passed around and then all of a sudden you you're at a disadvantage. You you need to be well drilled in that. And I think getting Aaron Morley on on message with that has been one of the big things Ian Everts tried to do. It looks like he's getting there because I think he's been great this last couple of games. Certainly again on, on Tuesday night. And I know again it's against kids. All the caveats that anybody wants to throw at me. Still, Aaron Morley was great. Range of passing, brilliant, and also he got through plenty of work as well. So hopefully confidence is massive. If you can't get confidence from that free kick he fizzed in, something's wrong. And uh, and, and and it's good to see him playing again. And like Afalayan, it looks you can tell when footballers are enjoying themselves and it looks at the minute like Aaron Morley is enjoying himself. Yeah, I mean, on that free kick, it's... If, if no one's getting their head on the ball and scoring from them, you might as well have a shot. And that's what he did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it was, uh, you know, yeah, it was great. And, and Morley has been very good. And I, I really like Morley. And, and he was... Do you think that you said there that the manager said that they, they kind of wanted him to do what he was doing at Rochdale, but he was pressing too much and stuff? Well, do you think for Morley, who was coming to, no doubt, the, the biggest club he's played professionally for, is he trying to... Just trying to impress a bit too much, you know. He, he was he's trying to try and do everything just so he's impressing. Do you know what I mean? And, and he mm. just needs to calm down a little bit. I, th- I think it's 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 the system that has to work above the individual. Now at Rochdale, I have no doubt, and I didn't watch a lot of Rochdale, obviously, but I have no doubt he will have been one of the best passers in the team. It, he was probably looked to, towards to do the playmaking role. Don't worry about putting your foot in, Aaron. Don't worry, just. Just screen, just you know, just make sure there's nothing easy that that can be played through. Just, just, just hover about in front of the back four. Do what you do good, and that's you know longer passes or, or you know get the ball on the floor and, and and play those little neat triangles and all that kind of stuff. Um, here, it, it and it, it counts right across the pitch. Really, the system is the main thing. Um, the, the brand Everton and all that kind of stuff. And it only really works when everybody's on message and, and everybody's positioned correctly and everybody, you know, when the, the press is triggered and all this, all the buzzwords you want to throw at it. But basically, everybody's doing their job. Everybody knows exactly what they need to do. And it's only when people switch off that it starts to break down. And Aaron Morley is a young player. He's perfectly entitled to have the odd bad game here and there. Um, but it was that side of things is where they needed him to be better. He, he needed to understand what was required of a central midfielder in that role. Because um, we talked about him, whether or not he was one of the deeper line ones or whether or not he was a, a 10, because he was obviously a very adept at playing the ball around and and. and scored a couple of goals early on in his Bolton career as well. We we talked on the podcast about whether or not he was eventually going to be the new Kieran Lee. Probably not, is the answer, because it looks more like he's going to be one of the deeper lying ones, like a Josh Sheehan, um, or like like an MJ Williams or something like that. So, so they, they, they sit him in front of the back foot, uh, sit him in, in one of the deeper line positions and, and he, he has that range of passing, but also he is being asked to go on and, and support. So um, there's, it's a very complex one, isn't it? It's a very complex job. Um, it's not, 
it's 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 not a simple thing really but uh, as a young lad he seems to be getting to grips with it and and you, know, you look at people like Afalayan who have had to kind of learn three or four different jobs it's not just a case of just running out there in a pair of boots is it is it's like going back to school sometimes yeah exactly and i think that's where it's just it's refreshing to see from a fan and uh, you know you look where we are now and you look where we're trying to get to and it is a plan we've got a plan just everything looks like there is a plan behind it it's not that scattergun approach and I think part of that is having trying to have a plan A plan B and plan C not for not only on the pitch but also with each player so it's like right you need to do this or do that and do that so yeah I think um, as talented as Morley is quite clearly if he wasn't doing a, a couple of the things he was being asked to do he's, he's going to be out of the team and we've got a squad to do that now um, we uh, another midfielder uh, who I actually saw this and it made me smile because we discussed before about Carl Dempsey and how he's been unlucky, but it looks like he could be back ahead of schedule, which for for him is really good because I thought he was playing quite well before his injury. His his latest injury just such such bad luck, and, and I agree with you. He had that red card, didn't he? Was it Cambridge? Yeah, that was an absolute nonsense. And then he he played well in the next game when he came back. But he was in he was getting to the stage where we thought he was going to be uh, when Bolton signed him. And I said this before that I was really excited by that signing because Kyle Dempsey had always played well against Bolton, and he was always one of those players you looked at and thought, "Do you know what? That's what Bolton are missing. I could I could do with that sort of player in there." So when they brought him in. Thought magic, but it, for one reason or another, he's had all sorts of issues that have stopped him getting to that stage again. And I hope that because he's turned this injury around, it's only been a couple of weeks that uh, his his kind of momentum isn't checked too much, and that he can be. I, I I would imagine he'll be on the bench maybe Saturday. But you, you look at the games coming up and what he offers to Bolton that kind of absolute relentless energy and running and there there are probably technical aspects to his game that are not quite as good as a Morley or a Kieran Lee but in terms of his hard running and and what he you know that kind of the pressing attitude that he brings I don't think there are many better but he's got to be on his game he's got to be you know fit enough to be able to do that obviously and and, and fingers crossed and touch wood that that continues for him because I think he'll be a real asset once he gets going. Yeah, he, you know, he's shown enough to say that he will be. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I, it's going to be interesting this weekend because, weirdly, around Christmas time, we actually have a, what, a, a, an, an eight day break, is it? We have a, yeah, yeah. a long break. In, but whereas we used to play in, you know, not even Saturday, Tuesday, but Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday around Christmas. So whether he'll, uh, he'll throw Dempsey in just to, to see how he does or whether he'll leave it and wait till the Derby game, I, I don't know. But, and it could be, you could have that with a few players actually, um, but no, it is it's refreshing to see that he's he's back. Um, you know, we have had we've been unlucky with injuries with the likes of Isgrove and Sheehan, so it's nice that we've got a player who has got injured. It looked like it was going to be a bad one, and it's actually not as bad as we feared. So um, yeah, I I think the team Dempsey is. He's someone for me who needs a run in the team, and I know it's he's becoming a catchphrase this season. But I, I do genuinely believe that when he gets that, he does become a good player. He's someone he likes to run with the ball. He'll put a tackle in. Um, 
And I think that's what we need. We need someone who's willing to do that in the midfield. Um, and that's is why probably MJ Williams gets picked as much as he does. So, mm. uh, so and the, yeah. miss, the missing Thomason as well. Obviously, Thomason's got this this season injury, and and I'm not sure we have tackled it on the podcast. But I I, I wish George all all the best in his his recovery as well because uh, you know what happened to him. It, it was was really sad, and I, I hope um, we will get an update. Uh, pretty soon on on exactly what is happening with him, but fingers crossed he's back as soon as possible. But he does bring that level of of physicality, and and George showed I think earlier in the season where he came into the team and he held his position through his own form and the, and the work he was putting in. But his performances reflected that, didn't they? And and it and it was he got that level of uh, of consistency because he was working hard, and I think that's where Dempsey could be. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would agree. Um, something we not talked about about the Man United game actually uh, is that Geffen Jones came off in the first oh, yeah. half. Mm. What what happened there, and, and could he miss Saturday, or do you think he'd be fine? I think it, it's probably a fifty-fifty. As, as as I'm sat here now, I haven't been in work, so I maybe maybe missed something, but. I was told after the game that he pulled. He possibly had a back spasm, but it was it was it might have been his backside, um, the, the muscle in his backside rather that uh, that went, um, which he looked in some discomfort when he came off the pitch, uh, which is a shame actually because I think um, again you know <laughs> with Santos being out, he's he's got the captain's armband and. Kind of people are looking to him to, to maybe lead this team, and uh, if he's not there and available on Saturday as well, then who's third in command? Who's the vice vice captain? I suppose, but I don't think he's a bad one. But I think it, it might put him in in some some doubt for Saturday. Yeah, I think a, a few people have been pointing out recently that um, you know Jones has has not been at the standard of what we expect from him. I still think he's, uh, you know, he's a very good player for us. He's a very underrated player for us in what he does. Um, yeah, okay, there's a few passes that go astray and, and stuff like that, and that has crept in. But I think overall, I think the team is better with him in it, and it'd be a shame, especially if you know with Santos being out, it'd be a shame that um, he, he's injured. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, you, so I'd imagine what would it be? It'd be a toll. Johnston and Amerson across the back, try and make it work. I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you, Henry. That concerns me. Mm. I'm not. I'm not going. Simple fact is, and and you know, Johnson is a player who I've got a lot of time for, and I think he's um, he's got a good future in the game as well because he's he's working on the areas that he's not as good at, and he's and he's really made progress. I think on that front, Toll. He's, he's coming fresh into English football. You can't you, you can't possibly uh, criticise him for anything that he's done so far. He's he's, he's looked quite good actually in, in spells. Um, and Ameson, as a centre half, it is really hard to just come in from the cold and start playing as if you know you're Bobby Moore. It's impossible. And I think he did okay Tuesday night. There was a little bit of rustiness. They're coming up against a team in Exeter on Saturday who have a very strong front line. Uh, Brown and uh, and Dombe, uh, Sam Dombe, they're good players. They, they, they've scored plenty of goals. They they do what they're good at. Um, it worries me that they, they'd have an untested back three. 
I wonder whether or not maybe you alter your system and, and take out a little bit of that. I don't know. Maybe you go to a four and, and have two city midfielders. I don't know. I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not that tactically minded, but I, it would concern me a little bit. Yeah, I think um, you kind of... I mean, I know Johnston has been captain before and he possibly... Oh. Sorry, that was uh, that was Owen Toll's agent. He just wants a word. Yeah, so I I'll keep that in. I'll keep that in, Henry. Don't worry. Don't, don't I, see the the producer and you kicked in there. Um, but do you know what? This is a gorilla podcast. Go for it. Sometimes we get phone calls. Hey, it's Christmas. You know, they put the bloopers <laughs> out. Um, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, I think the, the lack of a leader in now worries me a little bit. Um, and like you said, you know, Toll's very fresh. He needs kind of someone around him to guide him. And uh, I, I mean, he's a good player and he's got experience, but not in, in English football. Yeah, Amerson is... I think Amerson's... For me, Amerson... Amerson uh, has got a bit of a pass on him. We've seen that. But I think he's more of a... He reminds me of Harry Maguire, where when the ball's in the area and it needs heading out, Amerson's a very good defender. When you've got the ball at your feet and you need passing it about, then that worries me a little bit, um, which is how Bolton play. And then, yeah, Johnston is is he's good, but he's, he's working on things. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe it is a time to go with four at the back and and try and attack that way. And yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'm not really a, a tactical-minded person. I just watch the game for the the fun of it. So um, yeah, hopefully it won't come to bite Bolton in the backside because I, I remember a few games just before Christmas that haven't gone our way, and it is very miserable. I think that, that we lost the Burton one year, and that was very grim. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so hopefully we can get a win be- to you know before Christmas. Um, right, another uh, headline that I noticed, and it's really interesting. This is that Bolton at the moment are on par with the ninety-two, ninety-three, and ninety-four, ninety-five points totals mm. after twenty games. And those Bolton fans of that era will know what happened at the end of those seasons. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a it's an interesting one. I thought uh, I'd just check because. As we said at the top of the podcast, we're, we're all kind of wondering how good this season really has been, and whether or not the you know should we um, should we celebrate? Should we just thank the Lord that we're fifth? Should, I mean, where are they? Where are Bolton? Where are Bolton? Um, and yeah, it looks it looks very much as if they are on par. I mean, they're they're ahead of schedule in terms of the league position, obviously in Ian Everett's first season. So I looked at, basically I looked at I looked at the last six promotions. So uh, Everts obviously Parkies, uh, Colin Tards, Bruce Riox too, um, and speaking in terms of of league position, they are on par with uh, the, the two in the 90s, um, the two Rioc ones in the 90s, and, and one of them being from this level of football as well. Um, in terms of points, they're on, on target with that as well. Um, the, the difference being, and this is the crucial one, is, is, the, um, is the gap between the automatic places and, the, um, and, and, and where they are at the present. And at the moment, obviously, it's 12 points which is quite a big gap. In fact, it's actually bigger than it was last season at this stage. Um, 
so they've they've actually got more work to do than they had last season, and they're in fifth. To get, if they were if they were thinking about automatics, you, a lot of people have written off the top two already. I'm, I'm loath to do so because weird things happen in football. But I have to say, looking at it from a statistical point of view, it would take a very very big overhaul um, to to get anywhere near that top two now. Um, however, playoffs is where we were all aiming, and if they're going to get into the playoffs. If they carry on with their current run, which is 1.6 points per game, if memory serves. So 1.6 points per game, would they finish up with 72, 73 points, which is usually usually par-ish for the bottom playoff place. So we are right on the line. We are right on the line as far as playoff positions go. And as I say, historically, um, it's taken big second halves of the season for, from this point. If you look at Bruce Rioch's 92-93 team, they went on a massive unbeaten run in that second half. Um, you know what happened with the Everts' first season in charge. Um, and in 94-95, and obviously Bolton did finish in the playoffs. It was, it was a, a very different type of table. Um, I could go into linear and non-linear statistics and, and standard deviations and all that, but I'm not going to bother. Um, basically, sometimes when teams run away with it, they they stunt the, the rest of the table and the points become a di- slightly different to measure. And uh, that's what's happening this season. So you, you can probably say it's going to be a slightly lower total to get into the playoffs this season than it was uh, than it would be on a normal one. Um but the, the portents are good. They've, they've basically they've got to make sure they're in touch in January for me. And and it's this it's this sticky period where you've got some injuries. There are some decent teams coming up for Bolton, and up to the point where Ian Everett can make signings and do something about it. This is where you succeed or you fail. Yeah, it is, and uh, January is a big one as well. Uh, obviously, you know, and and. The difference between this season and those, the 92, 93 and 94, 95, is that they didn't really have to concern uh, themselves with January as the transfer window right in March, I yeah. think. But, um, but, yeah, I think we're in a good play. When you when you sit down, I think it'd be easy to do so after the Exeter game and sort of sit down and look at where we are. And I know it'll help if we win, but I think on the whole, we are where we expected to be or where we hoped we'd be. Um, I'm sure the managers and the players would look at that and think they're doing a good job. Yeah, things could be better, but you know, unless you're top of the league and won every game, of course things can be better. Can always be better, but um, I think overall there's a lot to be hopeful for uh, and a lot to look forward to in 2023. I mean, one thing I was going to quickly ask you is on the back of the United game and and we, as we speak now, we don't know who Bolton have got in the draw because it's in about an hour, but. Um, <laughs> You know, in 2023, we could have two trips to Wembley. So there's there's a lot there to potentially look forward to. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, let's let's be positive. Oh, yeah, it's got, I forgot about that Papa John's trophy thing. I was going to go and do some Christmas shopping. I was supposed to be on the day off. Um, right, yeah, I might, I might stick around, see if... Well, I'm, I'm going to say it now, and there you go, Pompey away. That's what it's going to be. Oh, well, I, 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 yeah, you might have to book another week off for that one. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm... Well, it doesn't matter, because when people listen to this, they'll know who we get. I'm hoping for... Uh, I know Salford hasn't haven't played Port Vale yet, but I'm hoping Salford win and we get Salford away, and we will actually fill that ground. I know. Have you? If, 
on the class of ninety two I noticed that Gary Neville says that when Bolton come we can't can we can't deal with it. I think he probably would just say just have the whole ground. Uh, he's on about me complaining about the Wi Fi. That's that's <laughs> what he means. That's it. Give us another headline, Henry. Uh, yeah, well, two more, just quickly. Uh, the first one is that in case anyone hasn't seen, the Charlton Athletic away game at the end of January has now been moved because of Sky. It's a lunchtime kickoff. Um, so for anyone hoping to make the trip down to London, that will mean you've got a very early start or a stopover on Friday night. Uh, but for the rest of us that possibly wouldn't have gone, that's a good thing that it's on Sky. Um and uh, it'd be a good chance for Bolton, not only Charlton, we've obviously got Derby as well, just after Christmas. It's a good chance for us to showcase our abilities on, on national TV. Well, if you are a Bolton player who <laughs> fancy, a, fancy a January move, that's not, uh, that's not a terrible thing, is it? Um, but no, look, it's a couple of bob in the, in the club's pocket. I do sympathise with fans who look to go to these away games because... 12.30 in London is not an easy one to do uh, on a Saturday on the trains as they are at the moment and it's it's not not cheap to uh, to stay over either. I'm, I'm lucky in that respect. So, yeah, um, I, I, I do, I do sympathise. I understand the, um, the, the upset that I've seen on social media um, but that unfortunately Sky get to uh, Sky get to do this that's the broadcasting deal that that's the if you dance with the devil as it were uh, that's mm. that's the way it works um, you said you've got a final headline for me Henry yes Neil Dans has become manager of Macclesfield hey, well done Danzy yeah I, I, I think most Bolton fans have fond memories of Neil Dans he kind of played in that team that well, it was it was kind of just floating around the championship, I guess, before we got relegated. But on the whole, um, yeah, he's. I think everyone's pleased for him. He's pretty good, Dancy. He's uh, also, of course, you can't say uh, Neil Dance without also mentioning the fact that his dad was in Eurovision and he was also a world champion skateboarder. That's uh, that's it. But actually, on that front, the reason the reason I actually mentioned this headline here, there are only three ex-Bolton players currently managing in the top divisions in England and Scotland. Three. Ooh. Now, Liam well, Richardson I'll... would have been the fourth, obviously, but he's not at Wigan anymore. Um, mm. So, can you name three? Well, Owen Coyle That's is good. one yeah. of them. Owen Coyle is one of them. Um, oh, let's see. Two in uh, England. Two in England, right. Well, we... Uh, no, Wilbraham's obviously the assistant manager at Shrewsbury. So he doesn't count. Um, God, you, you've literally you've just thrown this on me. Let's have a let's have a quick think. Um, uh, you're gonna have to help me out. What divisions are they in? Right. So one of them has only just got his job. Uh, he was caretaker manager 106 days ago, and he was in the Premier League. Okay. Uh, let's see. O- on the sunny south coast. On the sunny south coast. Right, my first challenge is to try and remember which teams are in <laughs> League Two. <laughs> um, on the sunny south coast. He likes right, cherries. Oh, Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill. Now, yeah. there's a bit of me that wants to give you clues as to the third one. Who is in League Two? But I'm going to say this. Email in the buff if you know who the third one is. The the only other so of the all the managers in the top three 
so top four divisions of England and top is it four in Scotland or, or everybody above non-league there's only one more so we've we've already got Gary O'Neill uh, and you mentioned Owen Coyle one more ex-Bolton player in all that uh, email the buff and we might just sort you out with a prize yeah uh, I have got the league table up here for League Two, and then the next challenge is to actually remember who who <laughs> manages those teams. So, however, though, actually, I have I I, I do know this one. I'm not going to say it out to see if anyone gets it, but I, I do know it. Uh, yeah, I do know it, and I, I it surprised me when I found out this person had, had played or been at Bolton. Mm, uh, there you go. But yeah, there, I do know it. Right, that's all the headlines we've had for you this week. Uh, let's open up the post bag for a moment. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Yes, the post bag brimming with stuff to talk about. And what I like about the correspondence we get. Henry is uh, that it's it's very rarely got anything to do with current events. Mm. Very rarely, we get a few, um, but um, it, usually the emails just bear absolutely no relevance to what's happening on a Saturday. And I think that's that's our sweet spot. I think. Um, so take this first one. Um, it, a fella emailed me asking about a game against Norwich in two thousand and one. So if you can help this guy out, please do email in uh, to us at the buff. Hi, Mark. Someone on the Bolton Fans Facebook group has sent me your way, and I was wondering if you can help me with a long-running issue between friends. On the 20th of April 2001, two of us attended the Bolton-Norwich game during Bolton's successful promotion campaign. Something that stuck out for us as we remember it was the half-time interval included an interview with some WWF, WWE stars, most notably the wrestler known as Triple H, and that he may have been the person who helped with the Golden Gamble for that game. Our third friend in this disagreement, I'll call him Dave because that's his name, thinks we made this up as a wind-up, and it's been a long-running issue, 21 years and counting. Neither of us can prove it happened or prove it didn't. The internet doesn't bring us any closure. Having ordered the programme for the following home match, Sheffield United from eBay, uh, I thought this would clear it up. It refers to a golden gamble draw from the game about a month earlier, and we can prove that Triple H was likely in the country at the time, but can't get any proof that he was at the Reebok Stadium. Uh, This is where I need your help, um, and this is where he needs our listeners' help. Do you... Remember that game? Do you remember Triple H being on the pitch and getting interviewed before the Norwich game? And did Triple H help Andrew Dean with the Golden Gamble? Henry, can you help him? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I was watching wrestling at the time, so I, I think I would have definitely remembered and been really interested if, if Triple H was there or any wrestlers were there. Um yeah, I, I can't help him with that one. I mean, that would be amazing. I, I'm shocked that no one's brought that up, um, including Triple H. Yeah. Know, I mean, surely that would be one of the... Forget all the, the wrestling titles he's won and, and whatever. To be doing the Golden Gamble at the Reebok Stadium would have been a, a huge honour for him. Um, but no, that's a, I mean, that's amazing if, if it is true. But no, I can't help him. I think he claims himself to be a West Ham fan. I'm not sure, but we we know that still was called Steve Austin was a Bolton fan. That 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 much is true. I've got him on video proclaiming that. Yeah. 
Um, but whether Triple H, I mean, that, that does open up a an interesting avenue. But please do get in touch um, on our normal email address if you can help him out. Uh, the next one's from Stephen, who's listening in from Orange in New South Wales, Australia. Wow. Um, so Mark and Henry, I love the podcast. Me and the family moved out here initially to Sydney, but then to uh, then west to Orange about four years ago. And I've never had the chance to watch Ian Everett's team in action in the flesh. But we managed to keep track with what's going on by listening to iFollow, reading the Bolton News website and following Twitter and Facebook. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on a theory of mine that this is the most bearded Bolton Wanderers team of all time. Um, from the manager, Ian Everts, his captain and vice-captain, Ricardo uh, Rico Santos and Gethin Jones, Kieran Sadler, Jack Iredale, Alias Kachunga, MJ Williams, Dion Charles. I can, can't remember a time when fewer razors were needed in the dressing room. And I started watching them in the late 70s at Burnham Park with my dad. Do you have any explanation for this? And who, in your opinion, has the best beard? Maybe you'd like to pick out the best Bolton Wanderers beard ever. There's a lot to unpack there, Henry. First of all, do you do you consider this to be a particularly bearded Bolton team? Well, I think it's just the fashion. I mean, I've got some face stubble on as well uh, at the moment. And do you consider yourself to be fashionable? Well, Mark, <laughs> I know no one can see me, um, but right now wearing a, a Simpsons hoodie and some uh, some joggers, I can say that I'm very fashionable. <laughs> Um, but uh, I haven't really noticed to be. Honest. I think it's because it's 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 sort of stubble. It's sort of fashion. You know, like uh, normally you think of beards, you think of massive beards. Where so perhaps the likes of Frank Worthington with his like mutton chops or whatever he had. Mm, um, mm. You know, but uh, no, I think uh, I, I mean what what would be the the best? I'm trying to think of recent years. I mean, Wilbraham had a, a decent oh, beard. What a beard! Jason loaded, so yeah. there, there's been a few re- of recent years, but maybe I think those of a certain era will be looking to the seventies and they'll go. Well, this was nothing. Remember when we had X player and this player and whatever. I think the classic beard is Roy Greaves, and when I put the tw- Twitter question out last night, I, I thought I'll just check because I'm bound to have missed a really obvious beard. Roy Greaves, I mean his his was like the guy from ABBA. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, a fantastic one. Gary Jones was another one who had a quality, quality beard. Uh, no, no doubt about it. From the late seventies, Gary Jones, um, with a double R, uh, scored loads of goals. Had a great, great beard. Uh, one that really did stick. <laughs> and I'm really glad somebody mentioned. And that's do you remember Sonny Graham? Oh yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember he had he had a beard like he'd been at sea for twenty years. It was, it was like Tom Hanks from uh, from Castaway. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I, and and Matt Mills was another one that got mentioned to me. Matt, Matt Mills went through a bearded stage. Yeah, he did, didn't he? For yeah, um, this is the thing you you do forget. I mean, you forget most of these players to be honest. But yeah, you do uh, every now and again want to just think I'm not shaving for for a month. Um, and Bibby yeah, Gardner, Bibby Gardner had a lovely beard, no, no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, he did, didn't he? Yeah, it, it was a, a quality. I mean, you've got, you've got some very good beards. If I was to pick my favourite beard from, uh, from the current one, I think Jack Idale's very. It's an established beard. He's not messing about with that beard. He knows what he's doing with it. 
Yeah, um, and that's what you want from your fullback. You want someone not to be bothered about shaving or worried he's going to get caught. You just want him to have a good beard, trim it or style it or whatever and concentrate on running up and down that wing. And if I'm going to pick out the greatest beard of all time, it's Aaron Wilbram. Uh, because it looks like he drew it on with a marker. It is that good. It is, it is so dense. It, it genuinely is. It's remarkable, the quality of it. Yeah, well, I think he sticks some of that um, his magic powder in that as well. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> nobody's, nobody's hair is that, that, that dark. It's impossible. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a space. It's like a black hole on the end of his chin. It's incredible. Uh, anyway, right. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. If you do have a favourite beard that we've missed, then please email in, because quite frankly, I'd love to continue that thread. Um, but uh, let's. I tell you what, I'm going to make a, an executive decision here, and I'm going to bump our next email into our email special next week, uh, and we're going to move straight into prediction time. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Time for well, prediction time. And what what could it possibly be about, Henry? What would you? How would you sum up this segment? Well, I think um, we look and see who we're playing next, mm-hmm. and we try and predict the score. No, yeah, I mean it's, it's well, it's it's perfectly surmised. Is, is what it is, uh, and Bolton Wanderers do host Exeter City on Saturday, last game before Christmas. And is it going to be lonely this Christmas or are we going to have a win to talk about? No, we'll have a win. Let's be positive. I'd, I, I'd slight negativity. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, so they'll get one. But I think we'll, we'll, we'll score three. We'll get our hat full of goals. It'll be all be comfortable. In fact, we'll go 3-0 up and then right, right at the end, they'll, they'll score to make it 3-1. Uh, and it'll be Christmas miracle that, first of all, Bolton didn't concede first, but then won a game without having to score in the 93rd minute. So, uh, yeah, that's my prediction. I am going to take a slightly less positive view. <laughs> because I, it seems like every time I get in any way remotely positive on this podcast, it comes to bite me in the backside. And a few people have reminded me how I uh, flip-flopped yes, uh, last week on the England-France score. I didn't want to mention it. Um, but a few people have said that my positivity was misplaced. Uh, so I, I want to acknowledge that and also say that for, from here on in, I'm only going to be negative about uh, England scores um, and, and indeed Wanderers scores. I, I don't think they'll win. I think they'll salvage a draw at the end. I think there'll be a late goal. Uh, maybe Dion Charles will score it. Um, but it will leave us with more questions than answers, as per normal, it seems, of recent Bolton Wanderers performances. And we will be talking for the next however many days, eight days, is it, before yeah. the next game, which is a long old time at Christmas. I don't mind telling you. Um, we'll be left talking about whether your glass is half full or your glass is half empty or whether you even have a glass. <laughs> Um, that's what's going to happen, Henry. Sorry to bring well, you down. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm right. I, I, I hope you are right. I hope you are right because it, it's a strange. Do you know, what? it's 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 it must be. And I've said it time and time again. I'm not. I'm not a football fan. I can't afford to be. That's not my job. Um, I've got to try and be slightly more detached and balanced with everything that I do. But it must be. It must be knackering 
to be a football fan and to be continually up and down and up and down and up and down in the same way as it seems to be at Bolton Wanderers. You must be... It's, it's, it's no wonder you look so tired, mate. Yeah. No, it's true. I'm, I'm actually waiting for the eight days off and from supporting <laughs> Bolton just to, just to relax. I can finally wrap my present. I can finally do my Christmas shopping, actually. But, uh, yeah, then um, we are back for the 27th against Derby County on the back, hopefully, of a, a win against Exeter. And uh, and yeah, we can uh, we can enjoy that game. I noticed Derby have sold their allocation out, which is good. It's always nice when that away end is full. Yeah, it's going to be good. And it's been a while since Bolton have hosted Derby. It's good to see them. Well, it's good to see them getting over the problems they had for starters. But um, hopefully, I mean that's the first that's the first of the stretch, isn't it? I mean, Exeter have been there or thereabouts, and I do think they're they're a decent team. Um, but I think the Derby game represents the start of the real kind of the real judgment day for Bolton Wanderers that kind of run fixtures to mid-January really is quite difficult and uh, that's where we'll find out just exactly how full that glass is methinks Um, but but that's all for next week and that's all we've got time for this week um, now I know me and Henry are having some kind of high level conversations about the Christmas podcasts and when they're going to get launched it is possible that I might, uh, I might put out the podcast a little earlier in the week over Christmas and the build up to Christmas, and then in the week after Christmas and between New Year. Uh, that it's 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 in our it's in our thoughts. We'll we'll just keep an eye out on social media. We're definitely doing them. It's just I don't want to end up kind of putting a complete downer on somebody's Christmas morning because they they're not letting the kids open Christmas presents because they want to hear Henry's hot take on Andy Tut. Or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to spoil anybody's Christmas or New Year. I don't want to. I don't want to be like you know, counting down to to midnight on on New Year's Eve, and they're like, "No, I'm going to second. I'm going to second. No, I just want to just hear the end of the Buff Podcast theme tune. Um, that we don't don't want to don't want to ruin the metrics um, and, and listen to the whole episode, which of course you've got to do. Um, but uh, yes, next week do tune in again, despite my rambling, despite my waffling, despite Henry. Tell your friends. Leave us leave a review. Um, and until next week, I've been Mark. All I want for Christmas is a USB heated press box aisles. And I've been Henry. All I want for Christmas is a nice, comfortable Bolton Win Hewitt. And this has been the buff. Ho ho ho.